morning. If you would, open your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 22. We'll be looking at verse 20. Revelation 22, verse 20. Now, of all the things that are taught in the Bible, there is one thing, one event that is both exciting and horrifying. And they're exciting and horrifying at the same time. And this event is the return of Jesus Christ. Now, why would I say that it's exciting and horrifying? Well, for the Christian, the true Christian, it is exciting. It's exciting because of what his return will usher into the world. It's exciting because of what his return means to us. It's horrifying and what it means for the lost. So it's exciting and horrifying at the same time. And today we're going to look at the return of Jesus Christ. Again, look at Revelation 22, verse 20. It's written, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, I just ask your blessings upon the reading of your word. Just be with us today, Lord, as we worship together. And just illuminate your word for us. And Lord, we just thank you for all the blessings that you have given us. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us today as we worship. And Lord, if there's anyone today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior and needs to make any decision, I pray that you would speak to their hearts today. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with those that could not make it today, those that may be traveling, those that are sick and shut in, those that have lost loved ones. Lord, we just lift them up to you and just ask your blessings upon each one. And again, Lord, I just pray that you would be with us today as we worship. Just hide me behind the cross and let the words that are spoken be your words and just bind down Satan and let him have no part of this service. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now in this verse, we see the promise that Jesus gives us that his return will be quick. He's going to return quickly. But what is quickly? Because if you think about it, you know, people think that he ascended back up into heaven around 33 AD. It could have been 34 AD. But they think it was around 33 AD. If it was 33 AD, he's been gone for 1,990 years. But that's to us. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, Peter says that a day to the Lord is like a thousand years to us, and a thousand years is like a day. So to Christ... He's not even been gone two days. So when he promises to return quickly, he's going to return quickly. Now 
And if you think about his return in the New Testament, the return of Jesus Christ is mentioned around 318 times. He talks about his return. It's mentioned by the writers of the New Testament. It's promised to us. And true Christians should have faith in his return. Now, for Christians, his return is exciting. It's exciting to think about his return and what his return means. And it's exciting to think about his return, especially when we look at the world in which we live. It's a world of sin, a world of immorality, a world of rampant violence. But let's take a look at the world real quick. You know, many people will sit there and say, well, in the good old days... This never would have happened. Yeah, it did. Everything that we see happening in the world today has happened in this world, on this planet, since before the flood. We live in a fallen world. The same things we see today happened 40 or 50 years ago. Happened a hundred years ago. It happened 2,000 years ago. Nothing has changed except the size of the population and the people committing sin has increased because the population has increased. But I will say one thing has changed. It does seem worse today. And Missy brought up a good point this morning when we were talking about this. She said it's because people no longer care about their sin. Used to, they would get embarrassed by it. Now they don't even care. But all the things that we see taking place in the world today, it's going to continue and the world will continue on that path and nothing is going to change until Jesus Christ returns. His return will put a stop to it when he comes and he sets up his millennial kingdom. It will stop it. So the knowledge of his return, the promise of his return, should excite us as Christians, because of what it means. What it means for this world. Now for the Christian, and I need to mention this, his return consists of two parts. The first is the rapture of the church. When he calls the church, his bride, to him. Now, during this event, all true Christians, living and dead, will go to be with Christ. Now, when we, when we look at this, we're going to be caught up to meet him in the air. And the Bible tells us that the dead will rise first. Those that have died 
in Christ before us will rise first. We see that in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 54, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 6 through 17, or 16 and 17. So what happens if you think about it, and just think about this day, all the graves will open. All those that have died, our brothers and sisters in Christ that have died before us, will come out of the grave. The body will reunite with the soul. The body will become immortal. That mortal body will put on immorality or immortality and the the corruption of that body will put on incorruption. And they'll be with Christ in the air. Then the Christians who are alive will be called up as well and be changed as the Bible says in the twinkling of an eye that again that mortal will put on immortality and the corruption will put on incorruption when we meet the Lord in the air. And then Christ will bring us to heaven. And what happens when we get to heaven? The first thing that happens when we get to heaven is we're judged. We'll face Christ at the judgment seat. Well, we're judged for a life as a Christian. Where all of our works as a Christian is judged. Now think about that. The first thing that happens is we're judged for a life as a Christian. But then the next thing that happens is we will partake in the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper. Where Christ claims his bride, the church. And this is exciting to think about. What's coming? It's exciting for the Christian. But it's horrifying for those that are lost. And the sad thing is, is many people in the world today that are lost do not know what they're about to face. Because when the church is raptured out, that ushers in the seven-year tribulation. The rise of the Antichrist. War. Pestilence. Famine. Death. And what does the Bible tell us in the book of Revelation? What follows death for these people? Hell. The rider of the pale horse was death, and it says, and hell followed with him. even worse because the book of revelation tells us that at the midpoint by the midpoint of the tribulation half of the world's population 
is dead. All the people that are left after the rapture, after three and a half years of the tribulation, half of those people will be dead. And then the Bible tells us that the last three and a half years is the great tribulation. And what does Christ say? He says, if those days were not shortened, no flesh would survive. And in the book of Revelation, we see that by the end of the tribulation, half of the people that were remaining at the midpoint are dead. Three-fourths of the world population, dead. Through war, disease, famine, and God's wrath being poured out upon the planet. That's what the lost will face. That's why it's horrifying. Exciting and horrifying all at the same time. But then, at the end of the tribulation, we see the second part of the return of Christ. This is where he steps foot upon the earth. And we see in the book of Acts that he was on the Mount of Olives when he ascended back up into heaven. In Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4, it says that Christ will return to the Mount of Olives. And when he steps foot on the Mount of Olives, the power that he projects will split the mountain in half. The power and majesty of Jesus Christ when he returns. And when he returns, the church will come with him. And what happens? He destroys the forces of the Antichrist. We see that in the book of Revelation. He has the Antichrist and the false prophet cast into the lake of fire and then he will have Satan bound and cast into the bottomless pit and he'll set up his millennial reign where he will rule the earth from Jerusalem on the throne of David for a thousand years. But what does the Bible say? Remember, when he comes back, he's coming back as king of kings and lord of lords. He's going to rule, as the Bible tells us, with a rod of iron. The return of Christ. Exciting to think about. Exciting for us to think about. Because it's coming. We don't know when, but we know it's close. But it's horrible also to think about it. Especially as Christians, because we know what the lost will face. We know what they're going to face without Jesus Christ. But think about it. Knowing this, knowing what's coming... should move us to tell others about Christ. 
If you say you're a Christian, you say you believe the Bible and you have faith in what the Bible teaches. And the Bible teaches us that Christ is going to return. Everything that I went over is in the Bible. And if we believe the Bible, why aren't we telling others about it? Why aren't we telling others about Christ? Why aren't we telling others how they can escape the wrath to come? Because we need to. It's exciting for the Christian. But it will be a time of horror for those who are lost. And the only way, the only way for anything to change on this planet is for Christ to return. To set up his millennial reign. And when we think about the return of Christ, what do we, we think about it on a global scale, don't we? Because he's going to change the world when he returns. He's going to put a stop to all of these things that we see going on. But what about the individual? Individually. You know, we know Christ will return. We have faith in his return. But those that don't know Christ, those that need Christ in their life, if you think about the sin and, and let's think about it as a storm of sin that takes place in the world. It's like a, a storm, a hurricane on the ocean. All the ups and downs of the sin that we see. Christ is going to calm that when he comes. But individually, he can do that as well. Because every person who is lost has a storm of sin in their life. And the only way for that to change is through Jesus Christ. The same as he's going to change the world, he can change the individual. The way he changes the individual, he's going to change the world. And that's why we need to be telling others about him. Because he can calm the storms not only on the world, but in the individual. And we need to tell them about him because we know he's coming back and we know what they're going to face without him. All they must do is turn to Christ and receive him by faith. But as the scripture says, how can they know? How can they believe? without someone telling them. It's up to us to tell them. Because he will return. And everyone needs to be ready for his return.
Let's stand for prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that we can learn from it, and I thank you, Lord, for the promise of your return. And Lord, as we go into this time of invitation, I pray, Lord, that you would be with us. Again, Lord, if there's anyone here that needs to make any decision, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. Just continue to be with us and overshadow us with your love and watch care. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.